Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It Is What It Is, the show where we try to take a step back, take a look at all the events that happened in the Panthers game this past weekend and the upcoming game, and uh, take the emotion out of it, take the overreactions out of it, and just kind of give it to you how it is, because it is what it is. I'm Zach Luttrell. I'm the ringleader of the Roaring Riot. I'm joined, as always, with Josh Klein. Josh, say hi. Tell them who you are. Uh, my name is Josh Klein, the managing editor of the Riot Report. I'm excited to be the voice of reason in this dark time in Panthers history. The Panthers are 2-1, and one, probably the worst 2-1 and one team in the history of the of the NFL, right? Well, they were the worst 2-0 and one team last week, so after that performance, and I, they definitely are the worst 2-1 and one team ever. The season is over, apparently. But before we get into all those events, we do have a little bit of breaking news as we're recording this show. Harrison Bucker just got picked off the Panthers practice squad to the Kansas City Chiefs. Should we freak out? Is this Herney's fault? What's this all about? No, I just, I, I kind of don't understand the whole, the idea of freaking out that your seventh round kicker who right up until about five days before the regular season started, everyone just assumed was going to lose the kicking battle and be cut. And uh, now that we're three weeks into the season and your veteran kicker has not missed a field goal and has also put every kickoff out of the end zone. So literally has done 100% of the things that you've asked of him now that Harrison Butker is gone now's the time to freak out I guess I just don't understand it's fine he wasn't he wasn't going to make the team anyway so now now he's gone why why are we so concerned that it happened 3 weeks into yeah, the season as opposed to before week one. I'm totally with you on this one so and just looking online you know as we're as we're talking here people are blaming Herney what did you expect Marty Herney to do in this situation? Like what what should he have done differently if, for some reason, you, the Panther fans out there think we should have kept Harrison Bucker? What would he have done differently? I mean, Gano won the battle. Like you said, it was obvious until Gano missed that last kick, I think, against the Steelers, right? It wasn't even, it wasn't even close. That was the, the only thing that brought them close enough to have this weird kicking situation. But what, would, what should he have done differently that, that fans are so upset about? No, I, I just don't understand. I feel like the the right kicker is on the roster. The right kicker has been on the roster since the very beginning. Well, they had both for a minute, but now they didn't lose anything. They didn't. Everybody thought that they would lose Alex Arma by keeping Butker on the regular season roster, but they didn't. Everybody thought that they like. I just don't understand what what the Panthers have lost in this situation. Yes, they didn't. They weren't able to trade Harrison Butker for a first round pick. But they also, they, they didn't lose anything. They tried him out. They drafted a guy in the seventh round who, by the way, seventh round picks don't always work out, you guys. It happens. Right. So it, it is what it is. He's gone now. Let's stop freaking out about how good of a kicker he might be. I hope that he does very well. He's a very nice guy. I hope he's very successful in Kansas City. But every field goal that he makes, uh, you can bet that Panthers Twitter will be talking about it. Exactly. Well, I mean, normally we wouldn't start off the show by addressing the kicker situation, but because of this, you know, we have. So that kind of segues into, like you you mentioned already, Gano's done everything that the Panthers have asked him to do. He's perfect on the season from from field goals, extra points, and from kickoffs. He's been perfect. But that the question I have is, why was he not asked to kick a 51-yard field goal in the third quarter of the game against the Saints? So while we're saying, yes, he's done everything that we've asked him to do, 
should Panther fans be concerned that the Panthers potentially don't trust him in those kind of 50 plus situations or what? Uh, I think it's less about Ron Rivera not trusting Graham Gano and more making a poor decision. I, I think that's that's the bottom line. I think that when I'm a I'm a very positive person and I try to tell you it is what it is and try to keep people calm, but I think that in this particular scenario, Ron Rivera made the wrong decision. I think there are three there were three options for him and he picked the the one that doesn't make any sense. I think that you can you can go for that when you're down by 18, fourth and five in the Saints territory. I think that's a very viable decision. I think you can also kick that field goal. But what I don't think you can do is punt the ball, uh, especially, you know, you don't want to look at results to um, to justify the decision. But the result was they moved the Saints 15 yards back. 15 yards back. So, and, and looking at his quote, and I'm paraphrasing, he didn't want to give the Saints any momentum. Well, one, you're already down more than two touchdowns. But what – outcome in that situation would give the Saints momentum a missed kick right yeah I mean is, is there any other any other result that would that, that he could be referring to there so by his response by saying he didn't want to give them any kind of momentum the only thing that comes to my mind is he was worried about Graham missing that kick I think that's a that's a viable worry you know you you are always worried about your guy missing a kick let's miss a kick uh for the Saints but if they don't trust him to go out there and kick that 52-yarder, then they shouldn't have him on the team. But they do have him on the team. So it's I, I'm under the impression that they would trust him to make that 52-yarder. It just doesn't – It's it, those, those you know, we'll just go around in a circle. I'll just continually say those two phrases. If they did trust him, then they would put him out there. But he's on the team, so they should trust him. And it'll just go back and forth and back and forth for the rest for the next 45 minutes. It'll be a very boring podcast. But right. not that it's not a boring podcast already. I just want to put that exactly. out there. We, I, I know who I am. I know, we are not saying that. No, I know exactly what my voice sounds like. Uh, it's um, No, it's, it's a frustrating situation. And, and especially for Rivera to double down on it yesterday and say that he uh, would still make that same decision after watching the tape. It's it's disheartening a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. So, uh, well, well, circling back around to how we usually would start a show, which is is probably everyone's uh, uh, biggest concern is is Cam Newton. And after the Saints game, um, you know, should we be more concerned? Because I know we've we've talked about this being still being Cam's preseason, still knocking the rust off, still getting his timing down pat. Well. Yeah, that that wasn't his best performance, and uh, you know it doesn't look like he's he's improving up to this point or taking the, the positive strides to improve his performance. So, how should Panther fans be feeling after what they saw on Sunday from Cam? So here's the thing with Cam Newton. We we said last week, and we've kind of been ringing the bell of uh, of the third pre. This is his third preseason game, and while I don't think that he played well by any means. I'm not sure that you can lay this loss completely at the feet of Cam Newton. That being said, you can't throw three interceptions and expect to win the game, especially not against an offense like the Green, like the New Orleans Saints. It's just not going to happen. And of those three interceptions, uh, he made a poor decision on two of them, and he made a bad throw on the third one. Um, I'm sorry, he made a bad throw on the second one, and the other two he made a bad decision. Uh, the first interception 
um, the P.J. Williams one with the play action of McCaffrey. You can hand that ball off to McCaffrey and let him go get three yards, or you can or you can hit somebody in the flat. You can actually hit McCaffrey in the flat after the play action. But to throw it to Funchess, who deserves a little bit of fault for running a poor route, um, it, he never he never looked away. Williams reads his eyes. That's an easy interception. And that play was the absolute turning point for the game. You know, they're down, uh, they're down one score. Uh, actually, they're down one point. And... Uh, their offense had been clicking up to that point. They had had two long drives. They were making things happen. And Cam throws that interception, gives up a short field. Then all of a sudden it's 14-6. So it's yep. you can't do that. And he he's going to need to get better at making the right reads. That well, being then, said, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, wanted, I wanted to be said that he didn't have his worst game of his career. All the the – the cam is bad and needs to be benched takes are are not correct cam newton is still a quality quarterback he just had a bad game it happens so the uh we need to see kamara in there we we shouldn't be hyping that train up that's, uh, that's where that's where fans have headed now. It's obviously gone way past DA, and uh, we're on to our third string quarterback as being the the solution for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, I, that is. If you're thinking that, then you are incorrect. That's the uh, that's the bottom line. Cam, Cam <laughs> Newton is the best option at quarterback, and he's not. Again, he's not that far removed from an MVP season. And if you take away, he had. Essentially, he had four – he had multiple bad plays. But if he makes that one of those connections with Funches, those are those are the ones that worried me more than the interceptions. Sometimes you make a bad read, you get hurried, you get a little bit of happy feet, you get a little bit scared because your offensive line is allowing a lot of pressure and you make the wrong read. The fact that he was unable to hit Funches deep on two of those throws – and not only wasn't able to hit him deep, but wasn't able to even come close. Uh, that that is something that I would be a little bit more worried about. Yeah, um, I, I guess I agree. But I, I I got a stat from Bill. Um, we were talking a little bit about the game, Bill both. And um, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I, I should have pulled it up. I just thought of it. But do you need me to pick up that picks, name that you just dropped, or <laughs> Cam, your best Cam friend Bill was not. Yeah, my BFF. So Cam was not under pressure uh, during any of those picks. Have you looked at that at all? And uh, No, you're absolutely right. He he had a clean pocket on all three of those, and he had a clean pocket on those two deep throws to Funchess. So right. for all of the blame that everybody wants to throw at Matt Khalil, uh, I'm not sure that he can take all of the blame for that game. I think that Matt Khalil has not had a good season thus far but at the same time he is a left tackle and left tackles are going to have bad plays where they get beat but he has not played well he has played below average and needs to play better but he also that's going to come with reps and with time because he 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 does the he does the thing that a left tackle does which is shuffles his feet and pushes the edge rusher around the outside to kind of create the outside edge of that pocket and when Cam takes an extra step on his drop or decides to do that back turn 
and try to scramble and there's an edge rusher right there, it's it's bad news. And those things are going to come with time that Matt is going to is going to get better at. Now, something that he has to get better at immediately starting next week is you cannot have miscommunications and let Cameron Jordan come completely free on third down. That is unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> it's unacceptable for a uh, for a an NFL tackle to make that mistake in that kind right. of on that kind of a play. You want to talk about the turning point of the game? There's two of them. It's that one and it's that play and it's the Cam interception. If those two plays go Just differently, referring, it's uh Just it's referring a whole to the game. stat now. 13 of 21 averaging 4.8 yards per attempt when the pocket was clean for Cam Newton. Yeah. So you know, just touching on that a little bit more, what we've seen in the first couple games where we said Cam was rusty were the overthrows. This To me, this felt like this was the first game where I saw him make just multiple bad decisions, multiple bad reads. So that that was why this game felt a little bit different to me. Uh, I agree with you. And I think that, um, you know, they, they have – I've said it before and I will say it again. Week three against New Orleans, they came out and they, they did not play well. But it's not just—it's dis- not so disheartening that I'm ready to write off the season like a lot of people are. When you rewatch yeah. that game, there were a lot of positives to come out of that game. There are definitely a lot of negatives to come out of the game, but there are uh, a fair amount of positives. I think you saw from Curtis Samuel—you saw him as he starts to get more and more involved. You know, he had—he uh, had five targets today, or today he had five targets on Sunday. He had that. Uh, spectacular end around he got a kick return now i'm of the opinion that anytime that he can catch the ball on a kick return he should be taking it out because he is uh the one time that he had a chance to take it out he um was able to break a a good good return so i think that he needs his hands on the ball a little bit more but that doesn't mean that he needs to be, they don't they don't need to force it to him and give him twenty five touches. He he should be good. He had six basically six targets today. Maybe you get him up to eight, ten between rushes and passes or rushes and receptions, and I'm fine with that kind of volume for Curtis Samuel, especially on a day when Kelvin Benjamin is is gone after the second drive. Yeah, so talking about KB, we you know we're, we're getting hit by the the Panthers are getting hit by the injury bug again. Um, you know, I would like to talk more about Kelvin, uh, anything you've heard, and then also Ryan Khalil. You know, what's going on there? So Kelvin, I think is going to be fine. Uh, he had an MRI on Sunday night and came back good, no structural damage. I actually saw him yesterday in the locker room, and uh, he. Did he he did not look like he was walking with a severe limp, which is always a good sign for somebody that just had a knee injury. But that was his surgically yeah, that, repaired that play knee. Was nasty. It, it was, was the knee. I was going to ask you that. All it right. was. That was that was the same knee that he had uh, that he had oh. surgically repaired. Um, but yeah. it, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, he's a big guy. He's a tough guy, and I think that between the shot that he took in week two and that awkward fall. You could tell, even on that very first catch that he bobbled on third down, um, that Benjamin is not 100%. And I think that this knee injury is not going to help him get back to 100%. But I think if you don't see him practice tomorrow, which is Wednesday, 
I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't start to sound the alarm bells. He didn't practice last Wednesday either. So he let's wait until Thursday practice. Let's wait until Friday practice to see if Benjamin is out there practicing. Ryan Khalil, on the other hand, it's I always get a little bit wary when you get these like, yeah, well, he hurt his neck. He slept on it wrong. We don't really know what's wrong, but he hasn't practiced in three days. And there was never a thought that he was going to play. Like, those are those, those injuries worry me a little bit more because he's such an integral part of this offensive line. And while you look at the offensive line and you say, well, they played, well, you can say Daryl Williams and Matt Khalil played really poorly, but that does come from a little bit from Ryan Khalil. Ryan Khalil in the center, at the center position, is pointing out blitzes he's calling out protections he's he's making sure that everybody has their uh has their assignments correctly and that that makes a big difference when you have a veteran uh a veteran presence like ryan khalil so that is the injury that i'm a little bit more worried about that being said matt khalil his brother said that he thought that ryan would be okay when i talked to him after the game on sunday is there any coincidence here that uh Khalil, Matt Khalil has looked okay in the one game Ryan was there and has not looked okay at all in the two games that Ryan's been out? I do not think that is a coincidence. I do not <laughs> think that is a coincidence. I think that is that is a uh, that is an absolute fact. Yeah. And I think that it is there there is definitely one hundred percent that there is a correlation there. Yeah, well, just like you said, I mean, Ryan makes the line better, but I think he also makes Cam better. I feel like Cam's even said that Ryan is his his security blanket there, and his you know they've been together Cam's entire career. So, you know, not having him there, even though Tyler Lawson might be doing the job, okay, just that's that's Cam's guy, that's Cam's connection there. So, um, you know, just from that aspect, not having him in the game is is also worrisome. Yeah, I mean, when you're when your offense is missing three out of the top five most talented players on offense as they were on Sunday, that's trouble. That's, that's, that's a tough hill to climb and a tough road to hoe and all of the other cliches that you want to throw out there. Yeah. That being said, about, uh... they should have been able to score points against a New Orleans Saints defense that was missing its top two corners. Well, we saw another game where the Panthers had some good drives. I mean, they're doing what they want to do as far as controlling the clock, running the ball, you know, their, their, their style of, of play. But what are they, uh, one, is it, is it one touchdown in seven appearances in the red zone this year? Uh, two. 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 Two uh, touchdowns. Two touchdowns, but the one that they had on in New Orleans, they were already down by three scores. So, um, yes, two touchdowns in the red zone. And uh, three touchdowns overall. So it's not like they're scoring in big chunks and they just happen to not yeah. be in the red zone. Um, it's not very good. No, no. You, that's another astute analysis, Zach, and that is why they pay you the big bucks. Um, no, it's, it, it's not good. Um, and it's, it's frustrating for – I think it's not only frustrating for the fans, obviously. I think it's frustrating for the players, and I think it's frustrating for the coaches. I think you saw that from Ron Rivera – uh, if you go on to theriotreport.com, that's theriotreport.com. Uh, Great plug. You can, you can always, well, that's how I do it. Uh, you can always stream the audio from the press conferences after the game. So usually we're going to have Cam Newton, Ron Rivera, and then some sort of locker room interview. When you listen to Ron Rivera's post-game press conference, he was pissed off. 
He was unhappy yeah. with the fact that they drove, they were able to drive into the red zone, and they could not score on that first play, on that first drive. He was under the impression that if they had scored on that first drive, and I agree with him, the game is completely different. Then I you look at a New Orleans so. Saints yep. team that knew they they knew that they were 32nd in the league when they came into that game. So when they come into that game and the Panthers drive right down their throat, put seven points on them immediately, then it's like, oh, well, you know what? Here we go. More of the same. And then it's a whole different story. Instead of giving them that that hope and that, you know, that feeling of, oh, well, maybe we can do this. You know, here yeah. we go. We can make things yeah. happen. And when you cannot put up points in the in the red zone, it is a problem. And I don't think that it's anything specific i think there are problems all over the place well and then when the panthers defense you know doesn't provide the stops on the other end you know specifically that first drive so the saints come up they make the you know they they have the long drive against their defense but they only give up three the the whole bend but don't break and then their offense comes on the field and pretty much marches down the field with ease on that first drive um i mean that's that's got to be a huge boost of confidence but my my question is, how in the hell did the Saints run the ball like that on the Panthers? Was it over five yards per carry? Is that, is that correct? It was over five yards per carry, and that number should actually be higher uh, because the— Because of the garbage time, right? Yeah, they had eight rush, rushes in garbage time that went for, I think, six yards. So you take away those, the number is, is up over seven yards per carry in real time. And that's bad news. That That is— Completely unexpected and, and something that I did not see coming from the Panthers defense. I think that so so just as we addressed last week when the, the the theme was the Panthers have not played anybody, you know, don't get too excited. So <laughs> now they played an offense and they did not look very good. No, it's a it's a it's a good point. I think that the Panthers really Drew Brees is a great quarterback and the Saints are a competent offense. The Panthers on Sunday beat themselves on defense. They had gap issues. They missed tackles. They were confused out there. Now, some of that is going to be due to the Saints formations and the way that Drew Brees plays, basically. But they beat themselves. And you heard it from Julius Peppers after the game. You heard it from Ron Rivera. You hear it from all of the players that it's self-induced self-induced uh wounds self-inflicted wounds that was the phrase i was looking for couldn't quite get there but i got there eventually as i always do self-inflicted wounds so they they (laughs) continued to beat themselves up with missed tackles they they had trouble getting off the field on third down uh kurt coleman seemed very upset about after a uh that first drive they had third and i think it was third and third and eight from the 12 yard line and they throw a screen to michael thomas Tackle is missed, somebody's in the wrong spot, and it's a first down, and then they score on the next play. So it's these these little things, these little plays. I wrote a piece today for theriotreport.com. That's theriotreport.com. The, the uh, Riot that, um, that there were basically six plays that decided the game. And if you want to really get, get nerdy and get analytical, you can read Vincent's piece about what exactly happened in the run game. And you'll see, it's not that the Saints played so spectacularly and this is going to be the start of a New Orleans Saint-assance at the running game. It's because the Panthers played poorly. They made mistakes. And you can't make mistakes in the NFL, even against a team 
that didn't seem like they were going to be able to run the ball. Right. Well, it seems like it's been the formula for several seasons that if the Panthers can't get pressure on the ball, then you you expose their secondary, and that's how you beat them. And and to do that, offenses get the ball out quickly. I mean, the Saints did that. There were a lot of – a lot of uh, timing and misdirection type stuff as well. So uh, coming into the Patriots game, I mean, it, obviously with their game plan and, and, and you know, uh, how they like to get the ball out quickly, and this should, we should be concerned about that too, right? I think that if you, if you want to swing ahead to the Patriots game, you need to look back at this game against the Saints because the Patriots are going to be very similar to the New Orleans Saints. They are a team that has a Hall of Fame quarterback who will absolutely murder you if you give him four seconds. If you give him four seconds back there and a clean pocket, you will be giving up first downs. So the most important thing for the Panthers is to put pressure on Tom Brady, just as it was on Sunday to put pressure on Drew Brees. And when you make them one-dimensional, you take away the run— the Patriots' run game is actually worse than the Saints' run game going into going into Sunday. So theoretically, it should be Tom Brady versus the Panthers' defense. And if you cannot put pressure on him, he will pick he will pick the Panthers apart. the The Patriots are famous for identifying a weak point in the in a team's defense and attacking it. I would have to think that Tom's going to go after Worley this this entire game, right? Yep. I agree. I think that he absolutely will. And there's there's a way – well, I think that that's less, that's less a knock on Worley, and I'm not saying that Worley had a good game against the Saints, but uh, that's less a knock on Worley and more of kind of praise for Bradbury, who I think has played – between the two corners has played much better than Worley has. That and But that being said, I think that there are issues kind of – throughout the Panthers' defense that they're going to have to address on Sunday. If you look at the Saints tape, there are many ways to beat the Panthers. And I think that Tom Brady is going to try and utilize all of them. The good news is that they are pretty beat up. Um, they, they, the Patriots? The Patriots are pretty beat up. The bad news is, is that they're not really – they still have Brandon Cooks and they still have Tom Brady. So that's really all you need. And – there are ways. There are going to be ways for Wilkes to um, tilt the defense and try to help Worley. But if you put Bradbury on an island, then you're asking Brady to make an adjustment and then come back the other way. I mean, they're they're a tough team to beat. There's a reason why they are as good as they are. It's the reason why they're the Super Bowl champions. Um, um, but this will be the second week in a row the Panthers are playing the number 32 ranked defense. I don't feel as excited going into the Patriots game about that statistic as I did going into the Saints game. No, I, I, for obvious reasons. Yeah. I don't think that you should. Um, I think that the good news let's, can we, you know what, what I'd like to do here, Zach is maybe take a solid, I'm going to put two minutes on the clock here and let's look at the positives. Okay. For just two minutes. And so that way, when we put this podcast out, we can tell people, write it. If you're a positive person, you can start listening at 2745, and we're only going to be positive from here on out for two minutes. Okay? Let's look at the positives here. First thing, Panthers have a winning record. They're 2-1. and Second thing, Cam Newton did not get more hurt on Sunday. Let's look at it that way. He was 
he had the shoulder injury, and then last week he kind of piled in that ankle injury, which kept him from practicing. Theoretically, Cam Newton should be able to practice Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I know we have the new normal where he takes kind of a limited uh, limited sessions because of his shoulder. I think you're going to see him practice in limited on Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday full practice. That is a positive sign to me. Let's look at another positive. How about Christian McCaffrey? Nine catches, 101 yards. Put the ball in his hands. You're going to pick up some first downs. Yeah. Am I the only yeah. positive for it? You have anything positive to take away? <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying what you're, uh, you're spitting out right now. Keep going. All Sorry. right. Uh, another positive thing is that there's no more kicking controversy. Graham Gano is the Panthers kicker. Number one in our hearts and number one on the team. Uh, I yeah. <laughs> No, I, I think that there are the positive things that I take away from this Saints game and is that there are the Panthers beat themselves up and while they yes, they lost by three scores, it's not as bad as it looks on paper. If you if you right. only watched the game on Sunday as you drank twelve beers, which I know that you did personally, Zach. Uh, We're talking first half, right? Yeah, of course. Those BLs go down okay. smooth. Uh, I think that you can. There are things to take away, and you look at it, and they were not as far off as you thought that they were. There were there were a few plays that go the Panthers' way, and they're they're right in this game. And yes, they should have taken advantage of an inferior opponent, but the Saints were zero two. It's a divisional game. They always play the Panthers tough. These are all these cliches, but. Sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. And that ends the two minutes of positivity. Now, back to it. Tom Brady is so good, he's going to destroy the Panthers' secondary. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah, I, don't, kidding. I, don't, I don't think uh, many people are giving, us, giving the Panthers much of a chance. I saw the line is now eight and a half. Um, I mean, what have you looked at that game at all? Are there any, any areas that you've identified where the Panthers could potentially have success? Uh, I think – the, the one area that really just screams it out to me, and it's more of a, and it's less of an analytical look at it, and I know it's the opposite of it is what it is. Doesn't it kind of feel like a trap game where everybody, this is the week where everybody's like, well, Cam Newton stinks and the Panthers are going to be the worst, and they're going to go into, uh, they're going to go in and lose by 30 to the Patriots. And, 50, yeah. Yeah, and the Patriots did not look very good. They, they have trouble with mobile quarterbacks. Obviously, they had trouble. They couldn't bring down Deshaun Watson to save their life last week. And, Cam Newton obviously plays a similar game to Deshaun Watson. Watson has said in the past that he kind of models his game after Cam. So I think that if you have a if you have a Cam Newton that's kind of trending towards health and their defense is not very good, this is the same thing that we said last week. So their defense is not very good. Exactly. It's gotta happen. It's you know, they're due. No, I, I do think that if the Panthers can run, honestly, if the Panthers run the same game plan and they actually execute, execute in the red zone, execute in the red zone and don't make mistakes, they're going to be right in this game. Now, that being said, huh. you can't, there's not a whole lot you can do about Tom Brady throwing 50 yard dimes to Brandon Cooks to win games. Like those are, that's, that's a frustrating way to lose if you're the Texans and it may be a frustrating way to lose if you're the Panthers as well. But I do think that they, to count out the Panthers is it might be the wrong, the wrong idea. Yeah, and I I'm gonna agree with you on that, and mostly because I'm a huge homer. Um, but no, I, I just everybody is down on the dumps after the Saints game. You know, I, I understand that, but 
Yeah, this doesn't feel like a game that Panthers are going to get totally smoked in. But you said it, they have to they have to execute. Their game plan is who they are, and and as long as they they are able to put six up on the board instead of three, then yeah, they're going to have every chance to be right there. But I, I'm just uh, I mean, Foxborough is obviously a tough place to play, um, but I'm I'm blown away that they're giving up. They being the Patriots are giving up the the. the type of points they are you know especially to teams like the texans how are the texans putting those kind of points up on the patriots yeah no i mean they're they they give up a lot of points and uh and so theoretically hopefully the panthers offense can get a little bit right um this this week and let's hope so because uh we're going to boston am i right yeah yeah it's the bean town takeover so yeah we got a crew going up on friday morning uh we're going to to the boston red sox game on friday it'll be my first trip to fenway which that's definitely a a bucket list thing for me even though i'm not a Sox fan because i am a st louis cardinals fan and they've embarrassed us in the the world series recent in recent years um but no just getting the opportunity to go up there and we've got a big group doing that um we have at uh, one of our full chapters in Boston is the Beantown Riot. So Saturday night we're going to go visit their bar up there, and uh, you know, we like to do that when we have a chapter in one of the cities where we get to go say thank you to the bar for being a Panthers bar in the middle of you know Patriots country there. So we're going to have a nice party, and then uh, we've got a hundred people loading up two buses and heading out to Foxborough early Sunday morning. So. Um, it's a different situation than some of the away games where we can actually get group tickets. It's such a tough t- ticket up there for obvious reasons. So we're going to be spread out all over the whole place. But you know, there will be a nice representation of Roaring Riot members and other Panther fans who are going. And I'm expecting uh, I'm expecting it to be pretty loud at times. So I'm pumped, man. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic experience up there in Boston. We're going to park our cars in Harvard Yards going to be uh, <laughs> eating some lobster rolls and some clam chowder some chowder, some chowder and uh and you know just and drinking some sam adams right did we hit all the cliches uh i think so and um probably get in a fight with somebody that's a boston thing right is that a boston thing i'm not sure i, I think so I, I think it's just kind of uh being a jerk but yeah that's right i said it i went there and uh i do not like People that are from Boston, especially not Jeff Doyle, if he's listening to this podcast. Uh, but you like you like Den. I hope Den is gonna uh, bring us plenty of delicious New England IPAs while we're up there. I know he's pumped to to get some craft beer drinkers up in his area that are coming up from down south. So looking forward to hanging out with him and doing that. Well, I think if he brings me two delicious beers, then I will be much more likely to be his friend. But he's in a hole just yeah. by being from Boston. How do you like that? How do you like them? <laughs> Apples. Boston reference. You might, you might actually agree. Boom, boom, so, boom, uh, boom. I nailed it. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> excited to see the Patriots-Panthers this week. Um, takeaways from the game, it's not as bad as you thought it was, but it was pretty bad. So Panthers are still 2-1. and one. Anything else we got, Zach? Wait, let me clarify that. Not as bad as I think it is, but pretty bad. That's correct. That's a that's a take for you right yeah, there. Yeah, well, you know what? You think that it's very bad and I <laughs> think it's just That is what it is. Just regular bad. It is what it is. Hey, uh next week we promise I hate promising, but we promise that we will have a special guest and we're hoping to have some player interviews as we go throughout the season. So, um 
stick with us. Enjoy it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Josh Klein Rules. If you want to follow Zach on Twitter, he is Roaring Riot Z. At Roaring Riot Z. You can follow our Riot Report for all of your Panthers news and Roaring Riot for all of your fan news and medium takes from the Riot. So, uh, anything else, Zach? I'm about to close up the old It Is What It Is bag. Yeah, kick that beat, and uh, we'll see you guys in Boston. Yes, absolutely. We will see you in Boston. Oh, yeah.